0: Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel.
1: and I'm Megan.
0: We have a very special episode for you today. Um, we had the pleasure of speaking with a with the parents of the victim. Um, her name is
1: Morgan Patton, and Stephen and Renee Patton, yep. our mom and dad.
0: Stephen Renee are wonderful people. Um, we sat down with them for two hours and learned all about Morgan and the issues that are we are trying to shed light on this case. Um, And so the last time we did an interview style uh, episode, you guys really, really enjoyed it and gave us some amazing feedback. So we want to make sure that we're sprinkling those into other than just our regular cases that we're putting together. So
1: I'm interested in hearing some of your perspectives as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Just so that you know, this is a case that is currently um, awaiting uh, prosecution, not Necessarily for um, what the family would like uh, this prosecution to occur as, but it's pending, so it's um, a closed investigation that's technically open because it hasn't been explored in court yet, and they've been waiting quite a while. Yes, yes. So uh, and are still looking for answers, and and that's what we dive into here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to hear a lot about who Morgan was, and I want you guys to think about it, about who Morgan was and how you hear her described as you get into the events that occurred that uh, led to her death.
0: Yes, that to me as an investigator is the most important piece of knowing who Morgan was and then trying to connect the dots to how they say everything happened and what they're chalking uh, her death up to. So, Absolutely.
1: Yep. So with that being said yeah. um, I guess we'd like to introduce you to uh, Steve Steven. and Renee Patton. Yes.
2: My name's Steve Patton. I'm Morgan's dad. Um, Morgan. As you read, Morgan was our only child, mm-hmm. and we 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 knew soon after Morgan was born that she was going to be our only child. And I think that the three of us bonded with that knowledge um, in a way that's it's it's in a way that's greater than most family dynamics that I've witnessed in my life. Sure, I can certainly say that. You know, we, we had a – I'm not really sure whether Morgan would have called this a strict household or not, but we had – we had, we certainly had rules and standards that I think have fallen by the wayside in recent history in a lot of families. At the end of every day, all through Morgan's childhood up until she was a teenager or, you know, got off to college and moved out, at the end, of day, the end of the day, regardless of what got in the way, we sat down and we all had dinner together, I love and it. we talked about our. And we had the opportunity. Sorry, I have a cat running in front of me. <laughs> we we had the opportunity, and it wasn't easy, um, financially, but Renee stayed home with Morgan until she was, you know, went she went to kindergarten. And then at that point, Renee actually got a job in the same school, so
3: oh, perfect, perfect,
2: same exact schedule. And uh, Morgan never, never went to daycare. She never had a babysitter. Mm-hmm. So if if Renee and I had a date night, the occasional date night, she Morgan would be with a family member. Yeah. For the for an evening, and that was that was it. You know, we we really had a great opportunity to, to bond, and we. I, I am certain that nobody would say that we spoiled Morgan, but she, <laughs> as an only child, she had a lot of opportunities.
3: Of course. Oh, right? We, have, yeah.
2: we never had to be, you know, Renee never had to go to soccer practice while I was at a dance recital or we were always there for all of Morgan's events as a family. Mm-hmm. It, it truly was awesome. Um, Morgan tried every activity that there was available and she settled on the ones that she enjoyed and she became very, she was a tremendous soccer player in school.
1: Love that. She I'm was, a soccer player too. What, what position did she play?
2: She was a midfielder. Okay. Um, she was naturally ambidextrous. So they loved her on both sides of the field. You know, she, she, she didn't have to develop a strong left leg or a strong right leg. She was just naturally, She she colored with both hands when she was really little, so
1: that's pretty impressive.
2: It was was funny, yeah. So, um, just a a talented soccer player. She was an incredible musician. She took piano lessons from the time she could sit sit on a bench until uh, she went to college, and she was. It was incredible to hear her play. I used to love. Sitting outside with the windows open in the house and hearing her play in the house, I would stop what I was doing and sit and listen and just think, you
0: know. Just how appreciate how her would, talent.
2: Yeah, and, you know, those are certainly some of the moments that I miss the most is just being able to hear her play. Oh, yeah. Um, so be, played.
1: being that she was the only child um, and I'm assuming had friends and such, did you guys become the hangout spot? We did. I bet I, I could feel it. I, I,
2: teenage girls, people talk about how much teenage boys can eat, but I tell you what, <laughs> teenage girls aren't lacking in that department either. Because she'd have a group of friends over. She had the biggest room in the house when because we wanted her to, her friends to be comfortable here.
3: Sure. Yeah. So she
2: bedroom with a queen size bed and a and a futon in there and. TV. TV
4: and, piano. and the piano.
2: Yeah. The, her friends would come over and just devour every, every <laughs> everything. Everything. House, house and, and those were great times too.
1: What kind of a friend was she from what you guys observed? Of course, you know, kids are friends uh, in front of their parents and their friends outside, but just from what <laughs> you guys saw.
4: Morgan was the best friend you could have. I mean, she always could see more of people than what they they gave or what they said sure Mm so one of the things i want to do at some point and i wish we've already done it but um we haven't is uh have you heard of the buddy benches
1: i'm sorry what was that That right
4: buddy benches that they have at school
1: (gasps) sometimes buddy benches yes
4: buddy yep and um we'd like to those in Morgan School District, um, miles to go, buddy benches.
1: So ex- explain the process there. Is, it, is that supposed to be like a place that you go like to, to talk to somebody, almost like a peer, peer-to-peer type thing?
4: Right. So say at the elementary school, a child's feeling left out or maybe being bullied, and they go sit on that bench, and somebody sees, sees them, they would go over, and they'd have a friend to talk to. That was like a sign, you know. I either I want to be left alone or I need a friend. And Morgan was always that friend that saw those people and was there for them.
1: I love that, Mm -hmm. and what a great way to you know honor her memory as Mm -hmm. well.
2: Yes, she was. Yes, she was the friend that um, we would be going to an event at the school, all through school—elementary school, high school—and she would say. Well, we need to pick up this person and that person, and
4: they don't have a ride. We have to get them. To,
2: yeah, so <laughs> you know, thirty-five miles out of our way to make this trip and <laughs> oh, drive yeah. the bus, maybe, pick she, everybody up. But of course,
0: she Morgan didn't was, mind.
1: No, she <laughs> didn't mind. <laughs> That's great.
2: Wouldn't have another way, and you know, and so we always we always followed her lead there because Morgan, she did. She could see the need, and. It was frustrating because a lot of times those we pick those kids up and their parents were sitting there doing nothing. Right. But Morgan knew that if we didn't get them, they weren't going. They weren't going. They wouldn't going. get
0: to go. Yep. Oh yeah. My husband and, and I, so I do a one lot of, of that my, transportation too.
4: Yeah. One of my favorite stories from one of her friends is um, from Sophia and Morgan got her driver's license and at 17 we he helped her get a car. And she was responsible to go pick up Sophia, who lived not very far from us on the way to school. And it was snowing, and it was yucky, and it was icy. And um, Morgan gets to Sophia's house, and Sophia comes out, and she flips, and she falls on the ice. And she was really upset to begin with because her cat died. Oh. And Morgan gets out of the car, walks around the car, lays down next to her.
3: Oh,
2: laid down on the ice mm-hmm. and said, Sophia, what are we doing? <laughs> Sophia told her, her cat. So Morgan just laid there on the ice with her in complete silence for a minute or two and then said, how about we go to school now? Oh, I was, love that. that was,
1: well, Stephen, Renee, know. we've both successfully just fallen in love with your daughter. Right. Yep. So what an amazing human. Um it, kids some kids don't have that empathy at that age and it doesn't mean that they won't be great adults later but to be able to empathize like that that young what an impressive young lady and
0: just to know she needed to just meet her friend in that moment and be with her that, yeah. that, at that age is is very unique that's amazing
1: Renee did did your daughter, did she date at all in high school? I, I consider myself a kind of a strict parent, too, so my there was an age before they were allowed to go alone with a boy, but just kind of in terms of her dating, uh, if at all, in high school.
4: So, yes, we did date in high school. Uh, when I was growing up, the rule was you don't go on a date until the person who wants to take you on the date comes over for dinner. Love it. And so any boy that wanted to go on a date with me had to do that. So we implemented that with Morgan as well. Um, we had to at least meet them and have eyes on them before any dating was happening.
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
4: Oh yeah. And she had a curfew and um, she was responsible. And I, I feel like she had one serious boyfriend in high school. Other than that, I think it was, it was more like groups of people that they would go out with and yeah. Yeah. Boys and girls, you know, and,
1: Mm
3: -hmm.
4: but we did have one serious boyfriend in high school for a couple of years.
1: And can you describe the town that she grew up in? I, do, and do you guys still live in the same town?
4: We do. We live in Bradford, New Hampshire, which is the teeniest tiniest little town, but it was such a beautiful community for Morgan to grow up in. It was very tight. Her all her classmates from preschool on throughout high school we were very, very close. It's one particular group, and um, I, I feel like because we're detached from the school system and, and things that we would be doing with Morgan, if, you know, when she was little, that the town isn't quite the same like it was then, um,
2: but... It doesn't feel it to us, anyway. It doesn't feel it to us. We're not hanging out at the, at the ball field. Sure. Right.
3: That's, that's right.
4: That's
2: anymore. I, I hope it feels the same as it did for us to parents of young children now, but we, we obviously don't see it as much. It is.
4: Morgan was a writer. She was reading and writing at a very, very early age, and she wrote a story, a short story about this town, and um, it's called Where I'm From.
1: Uh-huh.
4: It's amazing. It's amazing. I'll have to share it with you. You should, yes. and
1: we would be happy to post it too, just so people can see that. Yeah. If that if if wonderful. you're if you guys are okay with that, so did you? You guys are super close, obviously. When did the college talk start? Like where she was going to go and what she wanted to do, what her plans were.
2: <laughs> yeah. So that really started. Um, obviously, her her plans changed, but she was pretty motivated. That on my side of the family. I, Morgan was going to be the first to actually earn a bachelor's degree. Oh, wow. And he was motivated to do that from the time she was probably in, like, second or third grade. You know, that was going to happen. Um, and obviously, when she went on to law school, both, Renee and I were both just blown away. But um, I think that we, when Morgan went to sixth grade, uh, no, I'm sorry. When she was in eighth grade, she actually talked to us about going to a private high school, oh. um, and, and she put on put up a very strong argument for why she should go to that private high school. Um, so, and to be completely fair with her, we said, "All right, let's let's take a day and we'll visit." Um, Proctor Academy, that's the private high school, and we'll sit on the class. We will meet the staff, look at the grounds, but you have to give the same – we're going to do exactly the same at Kearsage High School, which is where she would be going in the public district, same high school that Renee and I both graduated from. We're going to do the very same thing there.
3: Yeah.
1: We are from similar towns and backgrounds, you guys, so my, my kids all go to the same school that I went to and graduated from too.
2: So we did. We we visited both schools in one day. We spent half a day at Proctor Academy and the other half of the day at Kearsarge High School. And Renee and I really we saw the differences. We we knew that Morgan would have tremendous opportunities at Proctor Academy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but in our conversation with her, we said, "Look, we we have planned on college being a big expense." You know, if, um, um, that's going to be a, a huge moment in your life, going off to college. Um, we, if this comes down to finances, you're going to be part of that decision as to whether you can actually we can actually afford to have you go to Proctor Academy.
0: Sure.
2: And she was such an adult in that conversation that she made the decision herself, oh, and wow. she wrote us a letter explaining that she really understood that. Proctor Academy was was not going to be an option.
3: Oh, and
2: wow. there it was another one of those moments and I was just so incredibly proud of her. She made the she made the decision. She made the final decision. It right. sounds like and she was have- already
1: a lawyer, you guys. I mean that was that's very well <laughs> thought out thinking. I obviously I've been there, so <laughs> I'm I'm already yeah. like, Yeah, girl, that's exactly how you do that.
3: Yeah. yeah.
0: I currently have a fourteen-year-old that's in eighth grade, going into high school, and I'm trying to picture him writing
1: a letter yes, explaining this this way.
0: This and no, I just don't <laughs> think that he he would have uh, be done as articulate. That. Yes, most definitely not. No, that's
1: wonderful. What year did she graduate? She graduated in
2: 1995.
1: From oh, okay. Your she, so your <clears throat> your daughter um, would no. be the same age as me then. I graduated in 1995 no. from high school as well
2: graduated in 2014 I'm sorry oh god
1: okay so she's much younger that makes more sense I'm like okay she was born in 1995 she was born in 95
2: that makes more sense
1: that makes more sense I'm like this case is older than I thought it was (laughs)
3: shoot
0: okay born in 95 graduated in 2014
1: yes okay wonderful can can we assume that she was a, a model student as well
4: um, she was a great student. Her only, I wouldn't even call it a fault, but it hurt. she really didn't see the point in doing some assignments when she already knew the answers, you know? yeah. was wasting, wasting my time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, teachers, see your work, you know? And so she was brilliant in many departments, you know, and like I said, she was writing and reading very young. And uh she just wanted more of a challenge. She I think she outgrew high school long before she graduated. Yeah. Sure. Uh, she was the oldest in her class, but she missed the cutoff date by a day, by hours actually. Yes. <laughs> oh gosh.
2: <laughs> um, so she would get bored. She was a, she was an E B student with and she was not one that was constantly um on top of her schoolwork she, she, she was an AB student basically doing the minimum you know she wouldn't allow herself to get a C right but, mm-hmm. you know, I like to also-
1: call us well-rounded Steve those students that <laughs> kind of get A's and B's and while they could be a four-point student they have active social lives and they volunteer and they you know are involved in organizations and in sports and I'll take one of those kids every time because I know they can be successful in life
0: I yeah. also see her point of, <laughs> of uh, okay, this is a gross waste of time. <laughs> uh, so I'm not going to do this assignment or I'm not, you know, um, I feel like their generation really has started to kind of challenge the status quo when it comes to some things that are in our education system of like, this is busy work and I don't need busy work and it's not enriching my experience Uh, yes my education anymore this is just to placate me and keep me busy and I'm not that's not what I want to do it's not what I'm here for and I my middle son that is a sophomore right now we are going through that he's an AB student but he will come home and say I'm not doing this assignment this is ridiculous we already went through you know (laughs) x y and z why do I then have to do this like well you know Mm -hmm. I, I, I get it. I see their Well, point. our
1: generation is rule followers, so just do it. it.
0: <laughs> right, exactly.
3: Just get through it.
2: So when ex- it's... Oh, go ahead. Morgan Morgan would take the time to write her teacher a letter explaining why she didn't want to... <laughs> <you> know, she, <laughs> half the time it took her to write the letter. But she, <laughs> wanted to, uh,
1: she gets credit for that. If I was her teacher, I'd be like, fine. That was a great explanation. It took you longer than the assignment would have, Morgan, so there's an A. <laughs>
0: I love this, and yep. you guys were surprised when she went to law school because, like Megan said, she's been practicing. She's been since lawyering
1: she was for
2: little. a long time.
3: Uh-huh. Well,
2: the surprise was that she she wanted to continue. She, I, I, I would have, it would not have surprised me if she had taken a couple of years, perhaps, and and you know, gone into the workforce and then gone back to school. But she immediately enrolled in law school as soon wow. as she had her. Geoscience degree, that oh, was, hey. so in, in
3: geoscience, in school, that's cool.
2: Yeah, so in high school, I think she really blossomed because there were two instructors there who were Morgan called them the mad scientists, yeah. and Morgan thrived on natural sciences, earth space science. She just that that was her passion,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and he connected with those two instructors and. Loaded her schedule up with all the science that
4: was available. Yes. And she would explain things to us or want to show us something that she learned. And it would literally be right over our heads. We were like, Morgan, I I don't know. She would sit for three hours to listen to, at the college there, She listened to um, the the first woman that went, uh, or a woman that went in the
2: submarine. One of those... Small submarines that that travels like thirty thousand feet below sea, you know, under the ocean. Yeah,
4: yeah. Fascinating, and, and they were saying all these words that you know you'd have to go to school to learn. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Morgan understood everything that they were saying, you know, and yeah. she she just thrived on new information and thinking processes, and you know she. Didn't get into a lot of trouble as a teenager. She would get in trouble, you know. I mean, in trouble could be being disrespectful or yes, normal, right, you know, right. You have to do this, that, and the other thing before you can go to the dance. And then to hmm. choose not to do it, then you don't go. And this goes back to the letter writing. And she said, <laughs> like, Nope, you can't go because of whatever happened. And then we would end up getting a three page letter <laughs> explaining. I, we
0: should let her go to the dance. I love that. And that's normal developmental life lessons, you know. That
1: you're teaching, you just don't usually anticipate to get an essay back about why your parenting choice is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. Yes. That's the best. So where did she end uh, end up going to college then?
2: Her freshman year of college, she went to Colby Sawyer College, which is 15 miles away from us.
3: Oh, great. And
2: that was, she got a great scholarship there, and she made the varsity soccer team as a freshman, and then her first choice was to not play soccer when she saw the schedule.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: She said, well, we're going to hopping on a bus on a Thursday for a Friday game in Connecticut, and when am I going to get my schoolwork done?
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: I My jaw dropped. I said, well, had I known that your last high school soccer game was the last, <laughs> time I was gonna be able to watch you play, I, I uh, I think I would have been sad then, but I'm now I'm sad that you're. It was a great choice for her,
0: but right, but you didn't get to like sit in the moment and say and appreciate like this is the last time I'm gonna watch her play soccer, right. and because you didn't know at that point in time, yeah.
2: But then, uh, so she finished her freshman year at Colby Sawyer, and when she came home. Actually, she came home a lot of weekends, because like I said, it was 15 miles away, but her scholarship required her to live on campus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and came home a lot of weekends with a group of 18-year-olds oh. who could eat more than 14-year-olds.
4: <laughs> my mom will eat, My mom can cook, to say. <laughs> We're going to
2: feed all up, of you. <laughs> load up two cars and take over the house for the weekend.
4: Mm-hmm. I actually made a turkey dinner, and I think we had two turkeys. I made Thanksgiving dinner, and she had a whole bunch of friends from college come and eat and have dinner. Oh my gosh! They with their family. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's oh, amazing, that is though. Amazing. And she was doing the same thing she did in high school. Mm-hmm. She she basically adopted all of these friends and said, "Okay, come back to my place. Mm-hmm. My parents I, will feed my, you my and treat you as cook. their own. My mom can cook." Yeah.
0: That's a secret I still try to keep hidden from my kids. By the way, on purpose. <laughs> right. I don't. I don't let them know that I really can cook really big, nice meals. <laughs> oh gosh. At, so
1: what happened? Freshman, oh, go ahead.
2: At the end of her freshman year at Colby Sawyer, she came home and said that her exact words were, "There's too many people there just wasting their parents' money. Uh-huh. It's distracting." Oh. So she. Enrolled in online courses at Southern New Hampshire University. Okay. Okay. And I was nervous sure. that she wasn't going to get a quality education, and and she wasn't going to use her time wisely. And that it was that it wasn't going it just wasn't going to be a good fit for her. And I could not have been more wrong. Okay. She got a tremendous education that way, and. She was. She was right all along. She was able. To, she used her time wisely, and she thrived with that environment.
4: Because it was her education, she she
0: owned it. Yeah, she was her. in con- more control of it that way.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep.
0: it doesn't surprise me from what you've told me about I'm her sure. that she would thrive in that um it, that type of environment because she can motivate herself because she wanted to learn. She was waiting to gobble up the knowledge, and that's really what it takes to thrive in an online environment. Did she
1: stay with you guys then once she decided to do the online bachelors?
2: She did for the, I think, uh, about a year. And she was working not full-time, but she was, she was working a lot. Mm-hmm. And she was living here. And then in 2016, she went to Cape Cod for a weekend, the weekend of 4th of July, to visit her cousin, Jenny, who was managing a restaurant down there. And she came back home after three days with Jenny and said, I'm moving to the Cape. I already have a job. And she loaded her car and mm-hmm. off she went.
1: Wow. Ah, uh, to be young.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and you guys were she, supportive, I'm, I'm assuming worried, but were you guys supportive of that decision?
4: we were we were scared to death of course but, um you know it wasn't like she moved across country she was three hours away and um she let us in you know she moved but she let us in she didn't escape you know and yeah we could go down and visit her and you know and she had a job and she had her ducks in a row and. She had a place to live. I mean, it was cramped and <laughs> it was you know, I mean, the first place Steve and I lived is didn't even have a kitchen. So Yep. Um,
1: it builds character.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and she blossomed.
2: She yeah. really it was it was incredible to watch her growth once she was on her own down there. Mm-hmm. It really was. She just she was on a mission to conquer the world.
1: She became an adult right in front of your eyes.
2: Well yeah.
4: and she was calling me, asking me questions like mom how do I shop
1: for this recipe how do I what do I buy at
0: the grocery store how do how do I cook a turkey dinner for 40 friends
1: <laughs> that's great
0: I'm 39 years old and I still call my mom sometimes and ask her um how long this is how big this ham is how, <laughs> how long, long do I cook, I cook it? this for so Just I don't dry it out google yeah. it charnel it's all on the internet no now. it's better when it comes from your mom it's true <laughs> yep and uh,
4: she would reach out to her uh nonsensical stuff and just kind of, I don't know, she just wanted to get your brain going and she would come up with these things and say, dad, how do I, how do I figure this out? Or, you know, and I was, with the phone call? Mom, I don't feel good. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's my life too, Renee.
4: <laughs> yep.
0: So very normal. Oh. No,
4: and then she wasn't happy. And I, I think I tried to do this throughout her whole life was, you know, if you're not happy, change it Mm -hmm. and find a way to change it, find a way to make it better for you. And she wasn't happy with her job down there and she, I forget what happened with that, but she went and walked down to Hyannis Marina and said, I need a job.
2: She extended her hand and shook hands with the... Manager. manager said, my name's Morgan Patton, and I'd like to work here. And I'd like to work here.
3: (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
4: Because she she wanted to make a change, and that's what she wanted to do. And Carla hired her on the spot.
1: And this is at a marina?
2: Mm
1: -hmm. That's cool.
2: She was. Over the next two years, she became the assistant manager at Marina. And, you know, she was responsible for. These fifteen to thirty million dollar mega yachts and sport fishing yachts that were mm-hmm. coming in. Morgan he basically was their concierge and mm-hmm. was responsible for the safety of their boats while they were in the marina.
0: And she's all of what twenty when she walked up and at, and said that she wanted a job there. I mean, at this point in time, you know, you just don't cool. you don't see that a lot
4: in. Uh,
1: so this Canada is when says. she's still finishing her bachelor's that she's working this right. job. Okay,
4: yeah. and she also got her own place to live, and then she was living by herself, and that really made me nervous, but um <laughs> sure <laughs> she she was on her own
2: mm-hmm. and then she adopted a eight year old cat with three pages of behavioral issues <laughs> that came with it.
1: oh my, I, yeah, i that's so funny. <laughs> Pages I could here. write three behaviors of behavioral issues on my cat, too. Yeah, and yeah. I got her when she was a kitten. So <laughs> I just diagnosed her at this point.
0: Oh, that's funny. So she has a cat, right. learning to live on her
4: own. Yeah. And, you know, she could have gone out and gotten a kitten. and yeah. But, no, that's that's not Morgan. She's no. like, well, nobody, nobody wants this adult cat. I'll, I'll take this adult cat. This adult cat with her. a
0: diagnosis. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, I love it. Um, So, and her fiancé actually
4: has DG now. Oh, okay. When did they meet?
2: Oh, they met while Morgan was at the marina. Okay. Um, So, Phil Phil actually lived on an island off the coast of Cape Cod, um, Martha's Vineyard.
3: Oh, yes. Okay. Mm
2: -hmm. And so, he was on... um, on, he was on the Cape. I'm not even sure what the reason was, but they ran in they bumped into each other, met at a, at a social event. Um, they didn't have any mutual friends or anything. They just
3: well, I'm
0: sure um, he took one look at your daughter, and she's absolutely gorgeous. So I don't blame him for it. <laughs> right. <laughs> she and, caught his eye. They're
2: they're a lot they're a lot alike as in some ways, um, but the one thing missing in phil's life at that point is i'll use the word motivation but it it's not that Phil's still lazy person he's not he's incredibly hard-working it's just that he his goals and dreams he puts on the back burner because he's busy you know that kind of a thing okay got yeah yeah where morgan when morgan started learning more about phil and they became closer she's like well so you want to join the marine corps then just Join the Marine Corps.
0: Right, it's it, it's very easy for her because she's been manifesting her you know life, her entire life of what she wants to do.
2: Yeah, and, and she never, never even a, a recognized any barriers. It's like, yeah, you no, know, this is what I'm doing. This this is my path to get there. Yep. The thing so, of holding me back is me.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, what year did they start dating?
2: That was. Uh, 2018 all right okay
1: and at some point in time did they were they living together or still living separately and and just dating
2: so once once phil enlisted in the marine corps which morgan helped him do and and i actually was involved in that process as well having been a marine myself oh yeah a lot of questions um phil had in a conversation one evening tells the story much better. So basically he said Morgan explained to him what her goals were in life, and <laughs> then turned the tables and said, well, "So, what are your goals? Because I'm not going to allow you to hold me back. You either can go through all of this with me, or I'll leave you behind at some point." Is basically what she was telling him. Sure, sure. And then she said, "What are your goals? And let's see if." We can, we can accomplish all of this stuff together. Mm-hmm. And that's when he mentioned that he had wanted to join the Marine Corps right out of high school. He grew up in Bakersfield, California. And he, and he and a buddy had wanted to join the Marine Corps, and his buddy backed out and still never went. And here he is, almost 27 years old, which is the cutoff.
3: Right. Oh, yeah.
2: And Morgan said, well, here's the situation. If it's going to bother you for the rest of your life that you didn't join the Marine Corps, you can either do it now or kiss a goodbye mm-hmm. it's your last opportunity so um, he did Phil enlisted and as soon as he enlisted and had a date of um, I believe it was in sometime in July of two thousand nineteen he would be leaving for basic training then then they moved in together uh, Morgan was going to take care of the uh, little house that Phil had on Martha's Vineyard. Union move in with her cat
1: and just that sounds like that sounds like idyllic really like a a house on an island martha's vineyard with your cat surrounded by books studying like you just described my dream
2: (laughs) (laughs) she was well on her way yeah they as a couple too
1: and so you guys uh, you were supportive dad like uh, uh, phil like you 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 liked him as you stated, maybe he lacked a little direction to begin with, but he became motivated, probably a lot because of your daughter. Um, and then you were okay with this.
2: I yes, we 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 had met Phil a number of times and spent time with him. They would come up here and spend weekends. Um, we we okay. grew to love Phil pretty quickly. He was to see the two of them together. This is the part that really hurts. Sure. Just see the two of them together was we couldn't have asked her anything better. Yeah. We couldn't have. We couldn't have had. If we had, Morgan had allowed us to choose a mate for her. I don't think we could have done better. That's amazing. Oh,
0: that is amazing. What a huge compliment that is.
1: Well, just the sense of comfort. I mean, I, I my oldest is twenty two and is with a very serious significant other. Really, the first one she's ever brought around, and it's kind of you meet him and you get that feeling, the mom and dad feeling. And I'm kind of at this point where you guys were like, I feel comfortable with this. Like, wow, she made a good choice. They, they're good together.
4: Never seen her happier ever. She brought him home and we met him for the first time, and our we call him Uncle Sean. <laughs> Uncle Fun. Um
2: he's not related to any he, of us. He's but. not related to any of us.
3: <laughs> right. He
4: is he is in our minds and um yep. went to high school with him and everything and so he got to meet Phil as well. And I remember Sean and I just jumping up and down excited and happy and we turned to Steve and we're like, can we keep him? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh. And Steve's
2: like, what? no, what? Not, I, I had to be the dad. I'm like, listen, I'm not there yet. I right? still just got
4: here. Right.
1: Good for you, Steve. <laughs> Hold your ground.
4: Oh no! It, it it was immediate. It was immediate. the second I saw them together, I just I couldn't. My eyes! I couldn't believe it. I, I'm like, this is more than perfect. Mm-hmm. They. Love each other so much, and everybody could see it. it
2: was such a good fit. So, Phil's father. Yeah. Phil has a tremendous family as well. And we all will all be bonded forever in this weird way at this point.
0: Of course. But mm-hmm. Phil's
2: father described Morgan and Phil's life as a lightning strike.
0: <laughs> oh, I can see why.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, that's a very good descrip- description. Mm-hmm.
1: So he joins the military. That means he's going to um, be headed off to boot camp then at some point. She's moving into the, the Martha's Vineyard home, right?
2: Correct, yes.
1: So, so does that yeah, happen?
2: He, w- he was leaving for three months. Um, yes, yeah, so Morgan moved in, I want to say it was around February of 2019, and Phil was leaving in July. And he would be gone for three months at Paris Island, South Carolina. Right. And their only contact would be through U.S. mail. The, they would not be able to see each other. They mm-hmm. would not be able to talk on the phone. Um, after uh, basic training at Paris Island, Bill would have 10 days leave. And then he would report to Camp Lejeune or Camp Geiger, North Carolina, in Jacksonville for... I believe it's six weeks of advanced infantry training, and then he was actually going to be joining a reserve unit. So by Christmas, he would be home, and their their plan was actually epic. Morgan had – it cost her $1,000 to do it, but she had delayed her enrollment to Roger Williams Law School by a year so that she could be in the house while Phil was gone. Mm-hmm. Then by December, Phil would be home, and he would, his, he would be attached to a Marine Corps Reserve unit in Connecticut. And so, one one weekend a month, he would be gone, and then two weeks out of the year in the summer. Mm-hmm. He would, other than that, he would be he would be back in Morgan's life, and he'd be back to his job as a utility lineman.
3: Oh, great! And
2: job. At, uh, their plan was to get married once he was home, and Bill could transfer with the company that he worked for into um, Connecticut, so he would be close to his reserve unit and close to Roger Williams, where Morgan would be studying law.
0: Okay, yeah.
2: And that was their plan. They were going to rent out the little island house for the three years that they would need to be gone, and it, we called it epic. Yeah. The plan, and it really.
1: Yeah, they had it all worked out. So he makes it through the basic training piece. They're they're just communicating by mail at that point?
2: Yes. Morgan every morning as soon as she woke up she would write Phil a note, a letter, short letter, and every day. Every every morning. And then she would drop it at the in the mail on her way to work.
0: Well, writing was um, definitely her powerhouse. It yeah. <laughs> does not surprise me. All those me. letters.
1: <laughs> and she's looking forward to him to be, he's going to get a week off at some point, right? So that she can, or how long did you say again, Steve? Ten days. Ten days. In
2: October, yeah, the um, Morgan turned 24, October 1st, and Renee and Morgan took a road trip down to South Carolina to watch his graduation. Um, it was a, a birthday road trip, but the destination was Phil's, Paris Island graduation from the Marine Corps, and I flew down, family, uh, Phil's entire family flew in from California, and we all celebrated his graduation in South Carolina at the beginning of October of 2019.
0: Oh, wonderful.
2: And then Morgan and Phil drove home, it was Morgan's plan, they drove home from South Carolina back to Massachusetts, because she, she wanted Phil all to herself sure. for a couple of days.
3: sure.
0: I understand that.
2: Yep. And then he, uh, 10 days later, he reported to Camp Geiger in Jacksonville, North Carolina.
1: And where is she at this point once he reports to uh, Camp Lejeune, Camp Geiger?
2: She was back on the island, on Martha's Vineyard. Just, uh, but it, now they can, um, the training, the setting was a little different there. They could actually speak iPhone and sure and um, X message and
1: FaceTime and all that good stuff.
2: Yeah, so it was a little more. It wasn't quite as as stressful on Morgan not being able to see her Phil. Oh yeah. Uh, You know, they were still quite a distance apart. Mm -hmm. Why, when Phil learned that Veterans Day weekend. Um, so November, the weekend starting November 8th, 2019, he was going to have what was called four days of limited liberty. Oh, okay. So he would he would have to be back on base in his barracks at night, but those four days, the 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th, I'm sorry, the 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th of November, he, his days were free, and he could leave base. So he sent Morgan plane tickets to come down to Jacksonville so they could share those four days together. Okay. And he was super excited. Yeah. 30 years ago, 30 years ago, Renee had done the same thing, flown down to Jacksonville to spend a weekend with me.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So you know
1: exactly how she felt, Renee. Yeah. So excited to be able to go see him.
2: That's when things went terribly wrong.
1: Okay, I figured you were getting there. So, so Morgan, you know that. Uh, um, so, so just so that we have a timeline, then she's she's going to fly, um, and she's flying into Jacksonville, and then what is the plan? Who's is he supposed to pick her up?
2: So he wasn't. He wouldn't be off duty until eight a.m. on Saturday, November ninth. She wanted to arrive the night before so that they wouldn't have to waste a minute.
3: I can't. As, soon as, yep. he,
2: as soon as he was free, they could be together. Um, so she, it's actually quite a, to, to fly down to Jacksonville from an island off the coast of Massachusetts is not an easy task. And she, she was up at, well, she was actually on a boat at 5.30 a.m. that Friday. She called me and I was at work and I I asked so you, are you excited for your trip? Are you getting ready? And I asked her what time the boat leaves. And she said, well, the first boat doesn't leave until 6, but I'm already sitting on it waiting. <laughs> so she had gotten an early start. Oh, yeah. And it's an hour on the ferry to Cape Cod. And then she rode a bus. When she got off the ferry, she rode a bus to Logan Airport. And her first flight was into from, from Boston to New York. And then she took another flight from New York to Charlotte, North Carolina. And then a small commuter plane from Charlotte into Jacksonville. Oh yeah, that is gracious. not okay. a
1: small feat. That is a lot of traveling.
2: Yes, yeah, so it was 13 hours. It took her 13 hours to get from her house to the hotel she was staying in. Okay. A boat, a bus.
0: I was going to say, the only thing start. she's missing is a train,
3: right? <laughs>
2: Yes, but 13 hours later, she sent us a text message saying that she had arrived at her hotel. Okay. And she let us know at the same time that she, when she checked into the hotel, she was looking at her emails, and she had a an interview um, scheduled for Tuesday, the day that she would return to Martha's Vineyard. The Island Energy Company wanted to interview her for a position she had applied for, and she was very excited about that. Yeah, and uh, she had a, a lot of good things going on mm-hmm. in her life. Most most important to her, she was going to get to see her marine, mm-hmm. her Phil,
1: her her Phil. Yeah,
0: what what hotel did she check into?
2: She checked into the Baymont. Um, I think it's called the Baymont Suite. Okay. Um, she and she chose it only because they advertised it was the closest. Hotel to Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Sure. And Camp Lejeune and Camp Geiger are basically the same base. They're divided by a mm-hmm. river.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So it was the closest, and that's why she chose it.
1: And I'm assuming probably a lot of significant others stay there then. If they're advertising they're the closest, this is the place where all the, the military wives and fiancés and husbands and stuff go.
2: Probably. it's. Um, I don't know how they get away with advertising that they're the closest because... If they are the closest, then the second closest is six inches further away. Okay. <laughs> really clearly a cluster of hotels.
3: Okay.
2: Main mm-hmm. restaurants and hotels on okay. this uh, street, Western Boulevard.
1: Hey, those couple of feet made a big difference for their advertising purposes.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Or no one sued them yeah. over it yet. Right. So.
2: <laughs> right. But so she checked in and and communicated with us that you know everything was going as planned. Um,
0: what what time that, was this? Did you say already, and I forgot to jot it down.
2: It was um, I want to say it was six six ten okay, six fifty on Friday evening.
0: All right, yep, that's what I was thinking when you said thirteen hours. I was picturing it somewhere in there. okay. And, and, and then, she's uh, probably pretty tired at this point in time. She's been through all modes of transportation.
2: Right, and feeling gross, you know, being sure. in yes. all these airports and planes and buses and, you know. And just, People. I, I know the feeling.
0: Yep, me too.
2: She got herself cleaned up and settled into her room and had checked in with us. And she checked in with Phil and a few friends and Phil's parents. You know, she was texting all of us. And then she stated that she wanted to get something to eat. And our suggestion was that she get something delivered rather than go out out and about in Jacksonville. Right. And uh, she said that there was an Applebee's restaurant that shared a parking lot with the Baymont Hotel.
0: I was just going to say, I bet it was in the parking lot yeah, because you, can walk you right see them, them all the time set up like that. So you can just walk across the parking lot
2: exactly what this was mm-hmm. it was 120 feet from her door to Applebee's
0: okay
2: and uh, so she felt she she told us that she didn't actually her exact words were Applebee's sucks but it's right there
3: <laughs> right <laughs> right yep
4: <laughs> i like don't blame you said, me, I have, the hotel gave me a coupon to eat there so i even get 20% off or whatever it was because she sure. was staying at the hotel yeah and like me. She's very thirsty. <laughs> I and mean, I would have
0: done it, too. Yeah. It's not my favorite <coughs> restaurant by any means, but I'm going to get a discount, and it's not far away? Sure. It's just one night. Yeah. Yep.
4: Yeah. And, you know, she had to eat, you know, and mm-hmm. then just going to go to bed, and you feel first thing in the morning. Yeah.
1: So do we know that she made it into the Applebee's?
2: She did? She did, yes. She walked in, and she actually sat at the, the bar in Applebee's. hmm and she ordered a crispy chicken salad and a Sam Adams um, Oktoberfest beer. Yep. Yep. And there she, she sat there texting with us, texting with Phil. According to one of the bartenders, it sounded as though he was getting a little annoyed because Morgan was just picking at her salad and sipping at her beer and taking up space where he could have been making a bunch of money, but you know, she was just... People watching. She loved to people watch.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: I do the well, same thing.
0: I, I've like done the same exact thing and ordered that same
1: exact thing. Well, you're eating alone. Right. You're eating alone, and she's an observer. Yep. So,
2: so there was a when she sat down, there were two young ladies sitting to her left, and there was an empty seat to her right, and then there was a couple eating dinner at the bar in this. Adjacent to that, empty, the seat adjacent to the empty seat, and witnesses have said that there was a little bit of conversation between Morgan and the two ladies sitting to her left. They were, um, it, it was described as dressed up, and they were pre-gaming. They were just in there for some drinks, and then they were heading out. Who knows where? Sure. But there was a little bit of conversation there, and there was conversation between Morgan and both of the bartenders that were working. One of them was actually not on as a bartender but was doing some work behind the bar. Um, and she just sat there with her her chicken salad and had her one beer until the couple to her right finished their meal and they left. And then two off-duty Marines were they were described as cowboys because they were wearing cowboy hats um, moved a, from the opposite side of the bar, this horseshoe-shaped bar, mm-hmm. they left their seat and they took the two seats next to Morgan. Okay, and tried to engage in conversation with her. Um, this the stories are are very different between the two bartenders. One of them said that it appeared as though everything was normal, and they were, you know, he used the words uh, mutual conversation, which I don't know if those two words actually go together but i understand what he's saying is engaged in
1: banter engaged in normal conversation perhaps
2: yes um, the other bartender said that morden was politely trying to ignore them okay mm-hmm.
1: well maybe from the boring. other bartender's perspective um a woman trying to ignore you is normal interaction <laughs> maybe we should consider that
2: that's true yeah So, but it, it's it, the two statements seem very, di- very different. Mm-hmm. And they even get – so they offered – the two cowboys offered to buy Morgan a shot and a shot of Jack Daniels. That was what That's what they were drinking. They were pounding shots of Jack Daniels, and, and they each had a, a beer. Okay. Um, so they were on their third shot of Jack Daniels in – they were only in the bar for – well, they're, they're – cab was only open for 59 minutes. Oh, okay.
1: They're they're trying to get their money's worth.
2: Yes. Wow. They offered Morgan a shot. One of the bartenders said that he turned to Morgan and asked her if it was okay if they bought her a shot, and she said yes. So he poured her a shot. The other bartender said she was the one that took the order, and the guys offered to buy her a shot. and She said no, but she poured the shot and left it on the bar anyways and walked away. So we don't know if Morgan – Get a shot, or if she didn't do a shot, maybe they drank her. We have, no idea.
1: we have no idea, right? Right, uh, well, the bartenders it, is is it one male bartender and one female bartender?
2: It is, yes.
1: And the female bartender is the one who's saying that she, she didn't really seem into this, and then she pours the shot and just like, dude, I'm just gonna leave this here on the counter,
2: correct? Yeah, so they offered to buy uh, in in my mind that's the way a bartender would handle it. They, they offered to buy her, shit. she's gonna pour the shot because they're. They're there to sell right. a product. Right? I've never seen a bartender ask somebody if it's okay if somebody buys them a drink.
1: I haven't either. I'm getting a weird vibe from the male bartender or whoever has, was working. And I'm, I don't know if you're going to get there, but did do we know if there's a connection with either of these bartenders? Do they know the two cowboy Marines? That was exactly my next question.
2: So he said that he had never seen them before. Um, the... One of the cowboys, air quotes, um, one of them was married at the time, and his wife said he was always at Applebee's drinking. Okay. So, I,
0: so he knew the – right, right. Like, you know who the bartenders
1: are if you're there frequently. If you don't know each other personally, you at least know a regular one, you see one. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but – so I don't, I, we don't know. Um, right. That bartender is actually working at an Applebee's in Texas now. He's. Oh. He – left Jacksonville rather quickly. Interesting. Um, Yeah, so the two different stories between the bartenders, we can't make sense out of. Um, Mm -hmm. But what everybody does agree on is nobody saw Morgan leave. Morgan, one of the bar, the male bartender remembers Morgan, um, I'm sorry, I want to get the order right. One of the cowboys left his seat and exited the restaurant. While the other was paying for their tab, um, Morgan left her seat and went, to the, went into the restroom. And then nobody nobody witnessed what happened after that. But Morgan never returned to her seat.
1: She have a purse with her.
2: Uh, she did. But she never she never came back to her seat. She that was the only thing that she had in the bar with her was a small. Um, I wouldn't even call it a a clutch. The clutch, yeah.
1: Yeah. Did she pay her tab before she went to the bathroom? No. She did
4: not. She never paid her tab. She would never
1: do that. Right. Right. She wasn't planning on leaving. You guys know that, right? Like, if she was planning on leaving the bar when she went to the restroom, she would have paid her tab.
4: Exactly. Yes.
0: And no one saw her leave Applebee's.
2: Correct.
0: Is there a door by the restrooms?
2: That's what I was just going to say. The, okay. rear, the rear exit at Applebee's is uh, probably six feet away from the doors of the ladies' room. Okay. And the rear exit at Applebee's, there's, well, there's no no security cameras at all at this Applebee's. That was my and next I, question. I, I, Irving.
1: hmm So uh, there's no security cameras, I'm sorry, not just inside the restaurant, but there's no security cameras outside? None. None. And the local hotels, because they're within feats, did any of them have, I'm sure they have security cameras, but they're pointing at their buildings. Did anybody's happen to be in the vicinity or like pointing that direction over the parking lot?
2: So there's, there was one camera working at the hotel. And that camera, we were able to see Morgan leave her hotel room and walk across the parking lot. Well, actually, she didn't walk across the parking lot because it was dark. She actually walked. The long way around the parking lot, underneath the lights, to get to Applebee's. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the angle of the camera, we we can see her walking towards Applebee's, but we can't see Applebee's. Okay. What that was, was she, the only
1: What was she wearing when she left the hotel? You said she was carrying a small, like clutch purse, I, like a wristlet type thing. I carry one of those. She was wearing her little one of those little sneakers
2: called Converse. Little Converse Chuck canvas feelers. sneakers and mm-hmm. pair of jeans and. Uh, um. It wasn't a flannel shirt, it was mm-hmm. a pullover, just a yeah. just c- casual light cat, yeah, cotton pullover shirt, you
0: know. Yeah, very casual. Yeah,
1: to go eat at crappy Applebee's, She right. just needed sustenance. All right, so there's no, nothing to help you guys out in terms of there being some video out there, at least n- nothing that anybody's come forward with.
2: Nothing, the The only other camera that was checked, I'm sorry, there, actually, there were two other cameras that that the police checked one is a 360-degree high-definition traffic camera at the intersection directly in front of Appleby's. They were hoping to see which direction their, the truck left, and it, after it left Appleby's, but they found that that camera was broken and it was it was focused on it was stuck and it was focused on the Wendy's parking lot diagonally across the intersection.
0: Oh gosh,
1: what? The worst, this is the worst stroke of luck ever. I mean, these should be working operational tra- traffic control device cameras, and it was stuck. Yes. Ugh.
2: And then there was a, an Irving gas station in convenience store a couple of blocks away that they they looked at their camera footage and did not see the vehicle or any of the, they didn't see Morgan or, or the Cowboys in their video. There were two other high-definition traffic cameras in the on Highway 17, in the direction that where the crash happened later on um, that might have helped, but they never asked the initial investigation. They never asked to see that footage. They asked after it took 38 days uh, before a criminal investigation was opened and at that point, that footage had been recycled, or right, yeah, recorded over, if you will. I don't mm-hmm. know what the correct term. That's correct.
1: Right. I, even at a, a local uh, sheriff's department here, um, for things that happen in the jail, they re- after a certain amount of time, they recycle it. They, they, you know, there's not unlimited resources, so they have to use the the recording over.
2: Yes. So by the time you know, thirty-eight days, when they opened the criminal investigation, that footage was gone.
1: Right. So what kind of a, a truck was this and we that we know the two cowboys were in?
2: It was a 2016 uh, Chevrolet Silverado 2500
1: four-door truck. And what time did they cash out? When did their tab say they left?
2: So they cashed out at 9, I believe it was 9.31 p.m., but... Then the bartender said that they were they hung around for a, a while after that, and they may have actually had more to drink, just and paid individually for them. Right. But their tab they cashed out at nine thirty one. Okay. The the um the bartender the female bartender actually punched out somewhere around ten o'clock, and she made herself a meal and sat down. And she estimates that it was somewhere around 10.20 to 10.30 the last time she remembers seeing them and Morgan still there. Okay. So, our only guess is that it was at that point that Morgan went to the restroom. Okay.
1: And she didn't hear much of their, or any of their conversations, just that it was banter.
2: She did not. She did not. um, When she was interviewed, she said that when she learned the next morning that Morgan was killed in their truck, she was just shocked. She just didn't see any. there's no way that Morgan left with them Right. with Mm -hmm. her reaction. Mm -hmm. It just didn't happen.
0: So are we, to throw a hypothesis, go ahead, honey.
4: Oh, oh, okay. I was just looking at my phone. The last text that we received from Morgan was at 1025.
1: Okay, I was, was yeah. going to ask that, too. Okay. And what was she texting you, Renee? Like, was she uh, was she telling you that she was talking to anybody, or?
4: No, nope, nope. She hadn't mentioned any of that, and uh, I was being Mom and saying, lock the door. Yes, I have two locks. I said, use them. And she says, she takes back, yes, ma'am, which isn't something she would normally say to me, so I found that odd. Mm.
1: What time was um, that?
4: That was at 940.
1: So something. she still would have been at the bar.
4: I guess. So she was saying that she was going going to sleep. Okay, going to sleep. And I said, back at the hotel? And she said, yes. Or she could have said yes and been in route? I don't know.
1: Or she went know. to the bathroom and was... That's when she, you know, heading toward the bathroom or something it was like, yeah, I'm just going to tell mom that I'm <laughs> safe and sound, so she'll yep. go to sleep. I don't know that there's any malice there with it, Renee. I think, you know, I, I, I've done the same thing. My mom still to this day, texts me when you get home. Well, I'll text her when I'm in town about five miles from my house and be like, I'm good.
3: Mm-hmm. You
4: know, and, she, and then she said, I'll text you in the morning. And I said, okay, lock the door. And
2: when Maury and I
4: traveled, when we went to um, Phil's graduation uh, we had the best time going on a road trip with Morgan. was awesome, <laughs> but she, and she planned all all the places that we stayed, and you know, and I would always make sure the door was locked, double locked, and I would always put a chair in front of the door. and Morgan would say, "Why Why do you put that there?" and I said, "Because." That's what
1: you do. <laughs> you know, I yeah. I agree. That's how we were raised, too. And I said, it, it's unfortunate, but I say all the time, what's the first thing that you do when you get into a hotel room? And guys will start, no no offense, Steve, but guys will start telling you all the things they do, like I use the bathroom or I check the television see if things are working. The first thing women do when we get in a hotel is, make, is lock it and deadbolt the door.
3: Yep.
1: Every time I turn yep. around and lock and deadbolt the door. Yep. So she
4: was... Would- she was all about her safety. Yeah. You know, walking under the to get there and. Obviously. You know, she had on her mind was going to see
0: so. Right, right. So, as,
2: did... she was, as she was traveling that day, I had sent her, I was looking up horrible stories, things that happened in military towns, and specifically Jacksonville, North Carolina, and I was sending them to her. And I just, I just wanted her to know that.
0: Yeah, an awareness, right? Just yeah. just be alert and and be aware that these are some of the things. Steven, you were looking
1: those up. Did you were you worried? Did you have a bad feeling?
2: I just I didn't want Morgan I didn't have a bad feeling, honestly. <laughs> I just I didn't want Morgan to think that because there's eighty-four thousand Marines in town, it's the safest place on earth. Okay, but it really should be. hmm mm-hmm. Agreed. It should. There. The, the problem is, I had served in Jacksonville, North Carolina. I know that there's eighty-four thousand Marines, and there's nothing to do.
3: Right. Uh-huh.
2: And the strip clubs and the bars and the. I mean, there's there was. It's not a pleasant place. Sure. I wanted Morgan
3: to be aware of where she
0: was going. Okay. So is it a hypothesis then that we've got one cowboy outside of the Applebee's and we have the other one paying the tab and Morgan in the bathroom? Is is there a theory that, you know, one of the cowboys opened that door that was nearest to the restroom and apprehended her?
2: That's our theory. Mm
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, where we're at in the official investigation in North Carolina is the driver is being, is obviously at 10.51 p.m. Morgan was killed when that truck left the road. The truck that one of these cowboys owned left the road traveling in excess of 90 miles an hour
3: mm-hmm.
2: on a End Road, fifteen miles outside of Jacksonville, traveling in the wrong direction to be going okay. to Camp
1: Lejeune. So maybe explain uh, that part to us. So we we know. Let's get to theories in a minute. But you tell us what happened next. Like what what was the next piece of information that you guys got? You know that she's going to bed. Somebody's reported that she's um gone to the bathroom and never returned. Without her tab page. So
2: the, the next information we got. I mean, that was the end of our interaction with Morgan that night. Is she was going to bed. Mm-hmm. At, at 4.30 a.m. on Saturday morning, our local police chief, who is also a friend of ours, woke us up and told us that Morgan was killed in a crash in North Carolina.
4: <sighs> Makes it impossible. Impossible.
2: She didn't have a car. Right. Yeah, right. So there didn't have a vehicle down there. There are no vehicles other than the Uber that brought her from the airport to the hotel. There's no vehicles involved in this trip. Right. So we didn't believe it. Sure. We said it can't be. That can't be.
0: Right. Yeah. That I mean, be. I would have the same. I would have had the same reaction. She's asleep in a hotel room.
2: Yes. But um no, as, as it sunk in that there wasn't a mistake, mm-hmm. I had to track down Phil and let him know because he was about to. Get off duty and go meet her at the hotel.
0: Sure, sure. Oh, Steve, I'm so sorry, you guys.
2: And uh, while I was doing that, Renee was packing a bag so that we could get on a flight to North Carolina.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, were you able to? Wh- this is 4:30 in the morning. Were you able to track Phil down?
2: Yes, I was. Um, typically, to get a message to somebody in a training setting, like I didn't have Phil's cell phone number. I could have called him directly, and I don't know why I didn't have that, Um, but I had to, um, I called the officer of the day in his training battalion, um, only because I knew that's somebody that I could, most people, a lot of people without any Marine Corps knowledge may have struggled to try to figure out how to get a hold of Phil, but I knew that there was an officer of training battalion. So that's who I reached out to. Mm-hmm. And he told, when I woke him up, he told me, well, the, the proper way to do this, is called the Red Cross. And I said, I understand that, but I have a very short window to catch Bill before he goes to meet Morgan. So what I need you to do is to walk your ass over to <laughs> battalion and find Bill Brandon and have him call me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: and. We get in a little bit of a spat on the phone, but he did just that. He went and himself physically found Phil. Good. And Phil give me a call.
1: And, and then when was the last plane. time Phil had heard from her? When was the last time he got a text from her?
2: So Phil's last message is very strange. So the crash happened at 10.51 p.m. And at 10.42 p.m., Phil received a text message from Morgan that said, did you know that they smuggled drugs onto base in pizza boxes? Wow. And one of these, yes, it was very strange, really out of character. Phil didn't even respond to it. He, He thought the same thing. That's just, that's odd that he would send that to me. Right. Um, we actually dug up a, an interview for a, a high school newspaper in Livingston, Montana. Um, one of these cowboys uh, had done an interview with his high school paper after, once he was a Marine and once he was working in Jacksonville at Camp Lejeune. And he said that one of his duties was to inspect pizza delivery vehicles because they smuggle drugs onto basin pizza boxes.
1: So if it was her sending the text, this is obviously something he said to her or she heard him say, or, or he had her phone.
2: Right. One of the two, yes.
1: What are these two cowboys' names?
2: So the driver of the truck, his name is Hunter O'Neill Wells, and he's from Sisterville, West Virginia male passenger who was also underage and had in his possession a stolen military id that night he's the one that purchased all of the alcohol for the two Uh, his name is charles edward cornwall the fifth and he's from livingston montana
1: and by stolen you mean he didn't ask for one of his friends uh, military ids he took it from them
2: He had one that had been reported stolen a year prior. Okay. Okay. It was in his possession that night.
0: And did they both survive the accident?
2: They did, yes. Okay. So, Steve, can you tell us,
1: Tell us. I want to know what the police told you about what had happened in the accident, and then I also want to know what you actually found, because I know you FOIA'd a lot of information on this.
2: Yes. So, we were informed, um, That same morning that our local chief woke us up, he gave me a phone number for Sergeant John Edwards from the North Carolina Highway Patrol and said, this is who you you need to call for details. So I called him roughly 6 a.m., and we were told that Morgan was killed in an unfortunate DWI crash, which made no sense to us. Yeah. You know, she was with two complete strangers in a truck travelling in excess of ninety miles an hour, fifteen miles away from where she was supposed to meet Phil.
3: Yeah. I
4: feel like they didn't leave us. They didn't want to hear us say she didn't know them. They took her. They they had to have taken her. Uh-huh. She didn't know them. And they just really have been less than helpful. Well
2: we, we just, just- told them- 'll we're, we'll, we're gonna get there as quick as we can and that we'll
3: sit down and talk yeah
1: you guys know well, we and you've heard me talk about it I think if you've listened to the past couple episodes there's such a thing as I mean it's called investigatory bias and so when they when police come up on a and, and we don't police bash on this show but we certainly can identify when there's been major errors made and so with investigative bias um, Steve Renee they see what they want to see. And what they saw was a DWI crash and a person who had presumably gotten into the vehicle voluntarily. So to them, they're going to tell you that. They don't realize that this person would not have, that your daughter would not have gotten the car with them. And so they're probably not checking out the appropriate leads at that point because they've already decided what happened. They're not going to look at it as a criminal investigation. They look at it as she was a victim of a DWI driver.
2: I've heard it called confirmation bias, and that's the term mm-hmm. that I've
1: yep yep Same into
3: thing. my
2: head. And so we were told in in person speaking with Sergeant uh, John Edwards that when Morgan's um, autopsy was completed and they got a toxicology report back, he said that if her BAC was point zero eight or higher on that report, he was going to assume that she willingly got in that truck.
1: Why? Um, Oh my God. I'm so, that's so upsetting for so many reasons. So you you have a a murder victim or you have a victim of a sexual assault and is there, are they going to do the same thing? If you're over a 0.08, you must've consented. Exactly. You just gave me the feels like that's, that makes me feel sick as a former prosecutor, because I would never be okay with one of my law enforcement officers stating that.
2: So weeks later, when we did get, we weren't concerned because we knew what she had to drink. And Morgan was not a drinker anyway. Right. She had a a crispy chicken salad and a beer. And we said, well, it's not going to be a .08 or higher anyways, even though regardless of how stupid that statement is. But when her toxicology report came back, her BAC is reported as .13. Wow. However, her... VAC, her vitreous humor alcohol concentration, is 0. 0.02. Oh. But they didn't give us. All they told us was her VAC was 0. 0.13. So as far as they're concerned, there's nothing to see here.
0: Did they, ch- did they check for anything like roofies? I was to say, is
1: there rohypnol or anything yep. else in there?
2: So they did a standard drug panel. Um but also told us at the time that the synthetic drugs that are popular in Eastern North Carolina would not show up in any tests that they
0: could do. Well, That's super helpful. They're aware of them, but not putting them in their test panels. Okay.
2: So we're mm-hmm. three years later. Honestly, what we've been trying to do is, is to get a federal investigation to look at this. this um, the, FBI, mm-hmm. the FBI, we've spoken to FBI officers here in New Hampshire and in North Carolina, and they said there's nothing they can do unless they're requested to get involved by the local authorities. Right. Or these two were both active duty Marines, and we've been bewildered that Naval Criminal Investigative Services wasn't involved from the very beginning.
1: Yeah, just general knowledge regarding, and you were in the military, Steve, but shouldn't because they were active duty, shouldn't there have been an immediate military investigation? I, For example, I have a young man right now who's um, active military who's in trouble for an OWI here. So he has a drunk driving. Um, I tell you, it was as soon as I got him arraigned down here and just getting ready to put him on probation, they've already started doing stuff with him through his commanding officer, like putting him in all kinds of programs and everything.
2: I've, I've been collecting news stories from Jacksonville, North Carolina, where active-duty Marines are involved in, in everything from traffic accidents to major crimes off-base. And every one of them states that Naval Criminal Investigative Services is involved in the investigation, except but, for Morgan's.
1: But, and never. Like, they haven't picked it up to take on at all sometime throughout? They just aren't involved, period?
2: are not involved at all. I know very recently our senior senator Gene Shaheen here in New Hampshire sent a letter to the director of Naval Criminal Investigative Services asking him to open an an investigation into Morgan's death and the actions of 2nd Marine Law Enforcement Battalion because some of the documentation that we have shows that they have covered up or left out relevant facts in this case, in order to discharge Charles Cornwall, the male passenger, honorably.
0: Oh. The one who stole the ID.
1: The minor. Correct.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So yes. not even that was investigated? I mean, we're, we have a pattern of behavior here, right, of, of ill repute.
1: It's deception. It is.
2: Not investigated, although we know... For a fact that when Charles Cornwall was interviewed by his own commanding officer, his own uh, platoon, uh, platoon commander, yeah, he discussed that stolen ID. But it's, it's left out of the report, the final report.
1: <sighs> Are there police interviews of the uh, per- potential perpetrators here? The cowboys?
2: Um, we, haven't, we haven't been able to... Get any information. Actually, the driver, Hunter Wells, um, hired an attorney immediately and invoked his right to remain silent. So all of the investigators told us that they can't speak with him. Charles Cornwall has never been interviewed.
1: The passenger.
2: Correct. Was the, the driver who,
1: charged with operating while well intoxicated, causing death?
2: He was. He has been indicted for felony death by motor vehicle. Yes.
1: That's what we call it here. And when was, so he was charged, this occurred back in 2021? 2019. 2019. Yes. Jumping ahead big time, I apologize. Mm -hmm. And has he ever, has he been convicted of that?
2: He has not. We, uh, the most recent information we received from the district attorney's office is they're still awaiting the retrograde
1: extrapolation report from the state's expert. (laughs) Yes. On his, his blood, blood serum? Taken,
2: his blood was taken at the hospital two hours and forty minutes after the crash and he was under the legal limit. So they're they're counting on retrograde extrapolation to show that he was above the legal limit at the time of the crash.
1: Right. Correct. Yeah, I'm familiar with those cases. <clears throat> and have you had access to see what the talks came back on him? Or are they calling this an yeah. open investigation?
2: Not yeah, they're actually Onslow County Sheriff's Department said the case is closed, um, but they also told me that even through FOIA, I cannot get the case file.
1: I'm wondering if it's because they closed it for purposes. It's closed because it's being prosecuted, and so it's because the DA's office or whoever has it. There still should be some information you can get. It's
2: a little convoluted. So the first detective who was assigned Morgan's investigation, the criminal investigation was opened on December 12th, 2019. And we flew down to Jacksonville to meet with Detective Jonathan Marshburn, who was um, a rookie detective, but he made sure to tell us that he was not going to, he would not leave any stone unturned. And, also told us to feel free to communicate with him, but there may be times that he might not be able to share information with us sure. once we came back home. Mm-hmm. So I sent him maybe a half a dozen emails over the next the following couple of weeks with thoughts and ideas and, and questions, some of them. And then I got an email back from him basically saying, leave me alone. Let me do my job. Your ideas are dumb. They won't help me prove kidnapping.
3: Hmm.
2: So I stopped communicating with him. And then we learned a year later, in December of 2020, that he left the department for a job with the state and closed Morgan's case on his way out the door. Oh.
1: Without a reason?
2: So, well, he, he considered that it was done. He, he was leaving his job. The case was closed. So the district attorney, I'm sorry, the assistant district attorney called the sheriff's department and asked that. I um, can't remember his name now, another young detective, reopened the case. Um, Matthew Hippel was his name. So we flew down and we met with Detective Matthew Hipple. And he told us in our initial meeting that the Assistant District Attorney asked him to reopen the case and then await further instructions from her. So we contacted her and said, "What? What does that mean? Are you Are you running the investigation from the district attorney's office?" And she said, "No, that must be a misunderstanding. He's free to investigate anything he sees fit, and I will straighten that out with him." They never had that conversation.
1: Oh, really? Oh.
2: He was just had a had a case file on his desk, but was never did anything with it, mm-hmm. and. Ten months later, he left the department and closed the case again.
0: Oh, gosh. Can I ask you, in any of these detectives or police or anybody that has interviewed you, have they asked you about your daughter and getting to know your daughter? Because the first half of this podcast, we learned all about who Morgan was, and I think that our audience will agree that we know the type of person that she was. She was not willing voluntarily there to get smashed, anything like that, and then leave with two complete strangers. Did did they appropriately collect that data from you and that information?
2: They we shared much information with with uh, Sergeant John Edwards from North Carolina Highway Patrol in i in our initial meeting with Detective Marshburn on December eighteenth, two thousand nineteen. We also described Morgan to him and he told us he had done a data dump on Morgan's phone because they they still have Morgan's phone
3: mm-hmm.
2: in there as, as evidence and mm-hmm. I we active too I mean you could pick it up and make a phone call on it now it's it's still active but he said they had done a data dump on it and he said this is not the average 24 year old that I deal with
0: right that doesn't surprise he, me
2: he learned a lot about Morgan By her phone, but they, but then they never did anything with it. They all told us that to prove proving kidnapping is very hard, and we have a a rock solid case for felony death by motor vehicle, so that's what we're going with. Right. literally
1: that's that's a true statement but the problem is that what what have they done to um continue the i mean i'm sure there's a call to action right like if you know anything about if anybody was there in the parking lot at the applebee's at any of these places come forward um but do you know if there was a canvas done do you are there interviews with people who other than the two bartenders
2: and the people that were the bartenders were interviewed they they asked for a written statement. Actually, the detectives didn't even do this. Um, an officer with the alcohol licensing licensing enforcement agency
3: mm-hmm.
2: I see in North that. Carolina got the written statement from the the bartender. The, all, all of the other interviews were done by our private investigators.
1: Right. So and, so the answer is no. I mean, the law, law enforcement, unfortunately, at that point in time, did, did not go and, and talk to everybody else who was around.
2: They did not talk to any of the staff at Applebee's. They never tried to search out any of the patrons at Applebee's. You know, the two young ladies that we know or were told Morgan was speaking with, mm-hmm. they never tried to find them. They never, Detective Marshburn called... Charles Cornwall, the male passenger, and spoke to him over the phone and asked him if he kidnapped Morgan. And that was the only time any law enforcement agent has spoken to him.
1: He he didn't lawyer up that one? He did not. What did he answer?
2: He said he, he said he can't remember anything. That he's suffering from retrograde amnesia.
1: From the accident. And we don't yes. know medical records wise if that's true. Did he have a brain injury? Did he ha did he have any uh had injuries from that in, night
2: initially we were told that his skull was crushed and that he likely would not survive wow um, on December 1st 2021 our last face-to-face meeting with the district attorney we were told that he was, he, he suffered a concussion in the crash
1: that makes more sense yeah were they wearing their seatbelts
2: driver was the only one wearing a seatbelt morgan always
1: i knew it you didn't even have to say it renee i knew i knew she did do you are you guys comfortable explaining to me what they're describing the scene inside the truck as um like what was found in there if you know
2: there was a gun found we know that
1: oh like like a gun that would have been issued to them in by virtue of their service, or are we talking a personal handgun?
2: A, a privately owned, personally owned. It was a gun owned by Charles Cornwall, the male passenger, uh, and it was a rifle. And the driver, the night of the crash, when he was asked where they were going, he said they were going shooting. And this
0: is at eleven o'clock at night.
2: And after drinking. 11 o'clock,
0: After After all those shots of liquor?
2: On a dead-end road in the middle of nowhere. The road literally ends at a 70,000-acre forest owned by the University of North Carolina.
0: Wow. That they were, for some reason, in a real big hurry to get there, considering the speed at which the vehicle was traveling.
3: Yes.
1: And he never made any statements about why Morgan would have been in the vehicle with them.
2: Well, the driver said that he was, that Morgan and Charles Cornwall were hooking up. That's the term that he used. Yeah,
0: nope. Where was she at in the vehicle?
2: We don't know. Okay. Um, we were told that, and this is by the driver's statement, that he was in the front seat, Charles Cornwall, and Morgan were in the back seat. Okay. The EMS workers on the scene are certain they're in 100% agreement that she was ejected through the front passenger side window. Okay.
1: Is this an extended cab, you know, like with the, with the full bench seat in the back, or is it one of those ones was just kind of like the half um, the half seats?
2: The full, full bench seat in the rear. Full four doors
1: they ever take any, and you may not know any of this, but did they ever take any DNA to make a determination as to where she would have been sitting? I mean, there should be something to indicate whether she was in the back or the front.
2: So they did a, here's, we're going back to the confirmation bias. Okay. They did a, what they call a, um, an autopsy of the vehicle, mm-hmm. where they noted which seatbelts had been used and which seatbelts hadn't been used, um, they noted contact trace on the front driver's side airbag. They noted that the front passenger side airbag had deployed, and in the next box where it says asks if there's contact trace on that airbag, they wrote not applicable because they were using the driver's statement. That they were in the back. uh, Wow. They never checked it. Right. And then Or as I had stated before, on December twelfth was the day that the Onslow County Sheriff's Department opened a criminal investigation. They never had impounded the truck, and the truck was gone prior to December twelfth. So he got it. The truck was. So
1: he took his truck back, or his family did.
2: They sold it to a scrapyard, and it was destroyed. Mm
1: -hmm. (sighs) The um the gun when it was found was it in the back
2: gun was found outside of the vehicle. It was ejected, uh, huh? Yes.
1: That's interesting.
2: Uh, I can show you a picture of what was left of the truck, and you would never recognize it as a vehicle. Okay. Um, I'm just, the truck
1: Steve, I'm trying to think, of, um, you, are you, you're familiar, you were in the military, you're familiar with firearms. Um, yes. When a person gets ejected from a vehicle, it's because we, we're, we are a certain weight and, and travel with a certain amount of force. I can't recall ever hearing of a time where a gun would just be ejected in a car accident, like, randomly. Like, to me, that means someone was holding, holding it or had it on their person or near their person. It certainly wasn't cased. It certainly wasn't under where you would travel safely with a weapon or legally with a weapon. Correct.
0: Was Morgan the only one ejected from the vehicle?
2: Charles Cornwall was partially ejected, so his he was okay. found his head and one arm out the passenger side rear window, and his legs were through the back window of the truck. Okay. Morgan was um, actually, based, they, called, they called it partially ejected, so the vehicle, when it came to rest on its side, uh, was on her feet, but the rest of her was away from the vehicle.
1: Okay. Was, did you say she was uh, ejected from the front windshield?
2: That's what, that's what the, not through the windshield. But the Front uh, window. EMS all are all in agreement that she was ejected through the front passenger's window.
1: But Cornwall was partially ejected from the back window. So that's weird because EMS is saying she was ejected from that front passenger side window, yet there's no evidence of trace. At least they didn't check check Mm -mm. on the passenger's airbag. So we already know that there's conflicting information here, evidence-wise, as to whether or not she was actually in the back. God, man, I'm just throwing out speculation now, but it sounds to me a lot like she was in the front passenger window and perhaps somebody was behind her. Holding a gun? I mean, I wouldn't say that because I'm a sitting judge and I can't have that opinion. I'm
0: an investigator, and so for me,
1: those are some of the hypotheses that I would go through. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm assuming we're on track with what you guys think as well.
2: I. I have a strong belief that Morgan had been in the back seat. Okay. And I believe the truck, the truck left the road, as I had said, it traveling in excess of ninety miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the truck left the road, and I'm going to use blunt terms because Morgan Patton was beating the shit out of the driver. Okay. So I. Okay. Between the seats, I think it was something happened in the back seat, and she was fighting with both of them, and she got her hands on the driver. Mm-hmm. Okay. The left abruptly to the right as it was entering a right-hand turn, and then recovered and crossed both lanes and hit a tree, okay. and the brakes were never applied.
1: Yep. Yep. Yes, yeah, she. So I, I. Yeah, agree. I agree. Yeah, definitely. In terms of reasons that it, you would have all of a sudden, and and if he his BAC truly, I mean, if it truly wasn't um, off the charts at the time that he left, and then you have the evidence of where the skid marks are and how it goes off the road, it would seem that there would have been something that caused that event. And in your opinion, uh, Steve, it's from uh, the event inside the car where she was beating the shit out of him, trying to get away.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's what I believe.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and even you know, if you... Was- I mean,
2: I'm not, a vehicle,
0: yeah, and I'm not an expert here, but I mean, people can be in the back seat and eject through the front, oh as sure, well, uh, yeah,
1: absolutely, and it just depends i' I wasn't sure how you know, did it roll? It was going ninety miles an hour, so you're dealing with some major force there right when they did the autopsy, was there any I know obviously it's such a traumatic accident that happens with your body when that occurs. Did they think to or Did they check, like, under her fingernails or anything for any type of skin or, or any evidence that she was fighting? Yeah.
2: Yes. There was, they did a, a full rape kit. Okay. Uh, there's no evidence of sexual assault, but they did find um, the wording is there are three contributors to the DNA under the right fingernails, Morgan's hand. The first contributor, obviously being Morgan. Mm-hmm. The second and third contributors, contributors as far as the state crime lab, as far as their uh, capabilities were able to determine that one is male, the other unknown.
3: Okay. Okay,
0: and she's predominantly right-handed.
2: She's both. The both. I mean, predominantly. I was she normally would would write with her right hand okay. yeah
1: that's how yeah. I do it you can do everything else ambidextrously but you usually have one hand you like to that's write with right
0: okay just thinking in terms of what she would go for you know what she would use to defend herself and that so gun piece is very interesting to me the fact that it ended up outside of the vehicle I'm with Megan
1: I you know it's just odd. Ha- and have you had any personal conversations with the with the prosecutors on this? Um, they um, they know what they know what your theory is. Yes. And is yes. there indication at this point simply that they don't have probable cause to charge it?
2: Uh, yes. So we're we've actually all of the information that we have dug up and all the questions we've dug up. We've just continually asked them to to take the next step and actually investigate how Morgan ended up in the truck. And their response is they don't care how Morgan ended up in the truck because they're prosecuting a felony death by motor vehicle. And they have all of the evidence they need to do so. They don't care how Morgan ended up in the truck.
0: Okay, But there could be more than one crime have happened here. Yeah, um, It would be interesting to know if um, – and I, do you guys have – have you hired a private investigator?
2: We've had two, two? private investigators okay. work on this. One um, one worked solely around Jacksonville, North Carolina, um, interviewed uh, the, the bartenders at Applebee's and interviewed uh, some of the command staff at Second Marine Law Enforcement, um, and then also went to West Virginia to interview the driver's wife.
0: Okay. I, well, that's what I was going to ask, is if anyone has interviewed acquaintances or even relatives of, of these other two, these cowboys, it would be interesting to know if they have some behavioral um, tendencies that would lean towards the information that the prosecution needs, right? Just to keep them on, like, know that they're sniffing out the right trail
1: well, and the driver's way. wife has already indicated that he would go and drink at the Applebee's all the time. He yes. was a regular, so
2: yep, right. And she also indicated that he was violent when he was drinking.
0: Okay, yep.
2: Which is why they're not married anymore.
0: Okay, that's important. And when she was
2: asked direct question, "Do you think Hunter Wells would be capable of taking a girl for the purpose of rape?" she said, "I don't know."
1: And this is a man she was married to,
0: correct right yeah, that's
1: telling. <clears throat> Where are you also- if I don't mind you don't mind me asking um have you have you filed any uh wrongful death suits?
2: Well, we tried. We could not find an attorney in North Carolina that would take the case because North Carolina is a contributory negligence state okay. the simple fact that there was any alcohol in Morgan's system and that she was not wearing her seatbelt. They said the jury is not going to be favorable to this case in a contributory negligence state.
1: Mm. Yeah, we're no fault in Michigan.
0: that just that's just I, yeah uh, I have some feelings
1: about it, but I'm, I'm, I always have to stay fair here. I'm trying to you know it's just it's hard because looking at it from a legal perspective, e- trying to make the argument or, or a defense attorney make an argument that there was contributory negligence by virtue of her um, alcohol consumption still does not negate the fact or if you're weighing the how much it contributed to her being a passenger in a back seat where somebody obviously decided to drive allegedly under the influence. So, with, you know, contributory negligence, I mean, was she more negligent than the driver to negate some type of, a, of an award? And I know you guys aren't looking for money. That's not the point of wrongful death suits. I try to tell this to people all the time. Look at the freaking O.J. Simpson case. He got acquitted of murder, but he lost that wrongful death suit.
2: We were just hoping to depose everybody involved. You got that's it.
1: And that's exactly, and the reason I asked is I was going to ask you if there are any depositions from there uh, as well.
2: No, we were, we were denied by every attorney that we spoke to.
1: Well, there's any, any, but any of notes. you, uh, practicing in, uh, North Carolina who might be interested, Yes, we can help you. Yes. We can help get you some info here. Contact us. We'll put you in touch. Ah, oh, my goodness. Yeah. So can you tell me, we have I haven't asked a lot about Phil and, and what happened? What was his response to, to all of this?
2: still as outstanding as he ever was and he is here every minute that he can be and he is the three of us are in this together. Phil is uh I won't we worry about him. You know he's a young man. He's got his whole life ahead of him but he has suffered he has suffered an immense loss that is gonna affect him forever.
0: Oh, absolutely. He had he thought he, he had his life figured out. He knew where it was going and who he was going with, and this tragically ended
1: it. So Phil didn't happen to know, of or know either of these cowboys, correct?
2: No, he did not.
1: I mean, I know it's so huge there. Would you say there's like yeah, fifty some eight. thousand? Maybe I'm wrong. Eighty some thousand yeah. Marines there.
2: Eighty, yeah. The numbers roughly r- hovers around eighty four thousand in Jacksonville. Okay, but he had, he was also in a training setting, and you know he had no interaction with other Marines other than his company that he was training with.
3: Right, and he was there
2: for a very long term. Um, he, he didn't have he wasn't hanging around in town. He wasn't other than this Liberty Weekend. He had not been off base in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh,
1: what is he doing now? Did he finish with the his it's, time in the military?
2: He is not. He's still um, he's still training with uh, the reserve unit in Connecticut. Um, he is he's done incredibly well. It's it's difficult for him to who to, uh, put that uniform on. He's stated so, and I can certainly understand. But he is he's done very well. He's an outstanding Marine, and he he is working with. You know, as a utility lineman on the island, um, and he's living in his little house up there on Martha's Vineyard. As <laughs> I said, any time he has a weekend free, he gets off the island and he comes and he spends it with us.
0: And That's amazing. Oh, that is amazing,
1: Renee. What do you um? What do you hope to get from sharing Morgan's story?
4: And hope that something like this doesn't happen to somebody else's daughter.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: By putting away bad guys, getting rid of them. Like they're free, they're they they're living their lives and they ended Morgan's and it's just not right. Mhm.
0: Is there and do you guys have something set up, like a Facebook or, or I mean a Webpage, anything like that, that our listeners can go to.
4: We have um, Morgan's Miles to Go dot com. It's a blog that we started, and there's so much more that we'd like to add to it. Um, and it tells a little story, you know. There's there's so much more to tell, but and that's the other thing, you know. I just wish everybody could have. That Morgan.
3: hmm
4: He was impactful in a lot of people's lives. And um, we had people come up to us that we, we don't know. And it didn't mat- matter if they knew Morgan for five years or five minutes. They made a difference. She made a difference in their life. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh yeah, she sounds like she was just one of those beautiful souls that collected people and made them feel at ease, and that they, you know, would want someone
1: that they would want to be around. Tell me again the blog. It, it's Morgan's Miles.
4: Morgan's Miles To Go dot com. Morgan's
1: Miles
0: To dot com. Okay. Will, yeah, we're gonna link that in our our show notes as well. And and I can certainly see why you guys want to you know, hit, hit the presses and go and get Morgan's story out there because um, it does seem as though there's a lot more work to be done on this. And, you know, even though Megan explained from a legal perspective of why, okay, they understand the the kind of, what's that charge, Megan?
1: Uh, here it here it's an uh, OWI or reckless driving. Um, causing death. Causing death. Yeah. Yours is a felonious driving, correct? Correct, yes. So... Steve, in terms of, um, I mean, Renee wanting justice. What is what does justice look like for you? You know that there's this felony charge, which is obviously what they're going with. Is just justice for you having the kidnapping piece add, added to it?
2: I, I want, yeah. I, yes, we both want. We, we 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 want the correct charges for the crime that we wholeheartedly believe was committed
0: absolutely yep
2: and what what's what's more important than that to us is that the truth be known mm-hmm. and that it be and that it, there's a response
3: yeah yeah
2: because
0: truth. your your Morgan was not someone who was going to the bar getting drunk, and leaving with strange men. And if that's, you know, that's some people's truth, and that's okay if that works for them. But that's not
1: Morgan's truth. Morgan's
0: truth. And that, you know, that needs to be cleared up as well.
2: And the actions of, we haven't delved into it deeply, but the documentation that we have received through FOIA requests um, show without a doubt that they were active-duty Marines within Second Marine Law Enforcement that help cover up those troops. Mm -hmm. I don't... I do not... We do not blame the Marine Corps. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: We are... We are supporters of... police, and military, and... But these people have names, and they need to be called out for their actions. Mm -hmm. They cannot get away with pretending that Morgan Patton didn't matter. Morgan Patton didn't exist.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. No, I agree. And and things that I would have, we have no control over is just how those military tribunals, how military law works. Again, I'm just shocked knowing the small amount that I do about it, that there isn't um, some type of, I mean, was there a court martial? Was there, was there anything?
2: The driver was administratively discharged within The fastest I've ever seen anybody processed out of the military. It was sick at the very most. He was administratively discharged and sent home. The male passenger, Charles Cornwall, was was, uh, medically separated under honorable conditions.
1: Because they're considering him a victim of the uh, quote-unquote drunk or reckless driver, it's still. I so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm aware of how that works. You know, from a prosecutorial perspective, I'm just going to, you guys are, are probably aware of this by now because they have charged it was this felonious driving and that's what they're going with. Probable cause is not a hard burden of proof to meet for charging purposes. It's getting it through the initial stage, and your your state you may use, or in that state they may use grand juries and do indictments. Here we do just a preliminary examination, which is a probable cause hearing, um, where the judge makes a determination based off the information presented. If there's probable cause, more likely than not, that the crime that there was a crime that was committed. So you're going to have some prosecutors that are going to be safe, and they're going to look at a case like this and say, well. The family wants me to charge this as with the kidnapping piece as well. I'm unlikely to get a conviction on it, in their opinion. Um, there's not enough evidence to solidify it for reasonable doubt purposes, so I'm just not going to charge it. Then there are other prosecutors, maybe those that I would consider a cowboy. Perhaps I was one back in the day that said probable cause is not a hard standard to meet. I'm going to charge everything I possibly can that meets that burden of proof, and then I'm going to let the judge decide at the prelim. And then I'm going to let the jury decide at a jury trial. So that's justice. You know, if the jury comes back on these cases and they say not guilty on the kidnapping, and I mean, that's awful, right? But at least they had a chance to look at it. Somebody had a chance to look at the evidence and say, I think this happened Mm -hmm. beyond a reasonable doubt or not. I think that's all you guys are asking for is to right to let somebody let justice do its job.
2: You could not have said it better. That's that's all we're asking for is charge the appropriate crimes and do the work. We believe that the information is there. Mm -hmm. Our private investigators dug up a lot of information, but they can only go so far without having that badge.
3: Right, right.
2: The fact that Charles Mm -hmm. Cornwall was never interviewed as a suspect or a possible suspect is unacceptable
0: to me, mhm absolutely
1: well i I wish you guys the best of luck on this now i'm I'm gonna be thinking about you constantly it's this is similar to, to Molly's case with me where i mean, i'm I'm glad you guys have a charge, like there's something that's happening in the criminal justice system on your case, um there's and that more they to be done well, and that they continue just because you start a case doesn't mean you can't continue to look into it so mm-hmm. it's it's one of those situations where. I, I just pray that the people that are involved, the, the prosecutors, the, you know, the officials, the police go home one night and go to sleep on it and wake up the next day and say, you know, there's something more I, I can do. I can do my
0: job here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. We, will you guys keep in touch with us um, to let us know the progress of things? Because we would, our, our audience is very intimately connected with us. We have a big following, but they, they reach out and write us all the time. And I know that they will want to follow um, any updates? More and more
2: again. Certainly, and as I had said earlier, right now we're we're waiting for a response from the Director of Naval Criminal Investigative Services, mm-hmm. and our given the information that we shared with our senior senator, Jean Shaheen, and we also shared with Ms. Morgan was a resident of Massachusetts. We shared that information with Senator Elizabeth Warren. Both of them are members of the Armed Services Committee, the letter that they both signed and sent to NCIS, I honestly don't know how it could be ignored, how we would could possibly get a negative response, mm-hmm. given the information that we already have, that we shared, as I said, we shared with them. Yep. yep. Um, it's, it's, we have proof within the document that there was a cover-up within Second Marine Law Enforcement Command. And I think if that federal agency will take up this investigation, we can we can blow it wide open. Yep. Where it, what should have been done three years ago. Yes.
1: So there's a lot to come.
0: And just Certainly to r- hope. just to reiterate for our audience, um, and I think I even said this in Molly's case. You know, we had more information that we didn't include um, on purpose in Molly's case because it has not been explored in court. And right. We do that intentionally, and um, that's. That is why we're not specifically asking you about, you know, what's in those letters and what what documentation you have is because we never want to let too much information out on a case that has not been explored in court so that it could never come back and say, oh, there's been too much publicity. You know, this person couldn't get a fair trial, yada, yada, yada. So I think that it's just it's relevant and important that they know there is substantial information and evidence to show, to indicate you know, about this cover-up, and that it could absolutely help bring about the right charges that need to be um, brought here. So I just, I I like to reiterate that, because you never know who's a brand new listener, you know, when they click play on that first episode, you know, this might be their first episode listening to us, so I don't don't ever want people to think that, you know, we're not thoroughly gathering information or whatnot, but there are things that we purposely do have, uh, to, leave have to leave out on unexplored
1: cases, Steve. Renee, sir. Again, oh, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say, and with the the background that the two of you have, I, you know better than even us what what information is proper to share and what isn't. Mm-hmm. And I do, I do love that about your your podcast platform is the perspectives that you have, that the two of you have on these cases is. is be remarkable
1: well we just want to help yes and get the stories out there and we cover a lot of lesser known ones so you know some podcasts are out there covering covering Jeffrey Dahmer and not that that's not fun and we don't do stuff like that every once in a while too but these are the cases that matter yeah they're the ones that make you go home as a former prosecutor or an investigator and not be able to sleep at night and you know we can even imagine what you guys go through still um, but this is one of those cases, like Molly's too. You know, Morgan and Molly are gonna stick with me for a very long time mm-hmm. until I see something happen with it and know. Because, hell, guys, I want closure on this. You guys don't have closure, and I want closure.
2: Yep. Well, hopefully, we can get that for you and for us and for <laughs> yes. everybody.
1: Yes, and for Morgan.
2: For, and Absolutely. Then we can start do have to do really good things in Morgan's name. We just haven't had the energy and the time to do the things that we want to
0: do but right but right now you're putting your energy and t- in time into where it, it's needed most and then you know when you get that checked off the list then, then you can then get to time. the buddy benches
1: yep i can't wait yep. to hear renee if that happens because i think that's an amazing memorial it an amazing idea it will,
2: it will, definitely, it happen.
1: will definitely happen timing yeah great yep. is there anything that either of you guys want to leave with our listeners about molly a happy story, a Morgan. happy memory. or Gosh, about Morgan. I know, See, we now were I'm just talking about, about I'll click that part out. <laughs> about Morgan, is there anything um, that you want to share?
4: Um, I, I would just like to say that Morgan deserves better.
3: hmm
0: Absolutely. And
3: the truth.
4: And I think it will happen. Mm-hmm.
0: I hope so. I don't know
4: how. I don't know when, but I hope right. it's soon. I know that our patience in our daily life is not good.
3: <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah.
4: And every second of it is thinking about Morgan.
0: Oh, yeah. Would you guys mm-hmm. mind... Um, emailing us pictures that you would would be okay with us sharing um, of Morgan on our our social platforms when we release this episode to the world. I'd be happy to do that. That
1: would be amazing. Anything else of her talents, those letters, those writings, you said she wrote that story. um, We're happy to share any of that as well. I want. I I think our listener listeners are going to love Morgan just as much as as we as all we have. Do. Just mm-hmm. yeah, in the past two hours.
0: Yep, completely fallen in love with your family.
2: <laughs> Morgan was just so naturally beautiful inside and out, mm-hmm. and she was on a mission to change the world one personal interaction at a time. And evil took that all away.
0: Yep, yep, but. Maybe with getting her story out there, uh, she's still working through all of us. I have a feeling. Because this is bringing, some, bringing some darkness to light of these things that can happen and that shouldn't happen. And, and I think that in itself is, is still a, a beautiful way where she's you know helping guide and, and shed her beautiful light that she had. Because I think once this is explored in court and these truths are brought to justice that's a that's a good thing too
2: It is it, it is a good thing and I hope that there's I hope that we can institute change much like the um, Oh, I'm sorry her name just escaped my mind the uh, the young woman who was killed at Fort Hood in Texas yes a few years back
0: yes we actually um, did cover that case too yep and I
2: and at the end you know there was there was some important change regarding sexual harassment and sexual assault in the military yep. that was brought forth I'm stemming from that case. But I think it's a drop in the bucket. I think that there's the problem is much bigger and we would like to be involved in, in continuing that change that needs to happen.
0: Yep. Yep. I, I can see why. And, and you guys are so well-spoken and such strong people that I think that, You set your mind. I mean, Morgan got to be how she was because of both of you. Of who
1: raised her. Yep. It's pretty obvious to me, too.
0: I think you would do an amazing job at helping bring about change.
1: Steve, Renee, thank you so much for sharing and and allowing us to do this interview uh, format.
0: Yes. And for sharing your beautiful Morgan with us.
2: I I wish you could have known her. Yeah. Yeah, We do, too. We
0: do, too. (laughs) Definitely. So, all right. Thank
2: you. Uh, very gracious of you to offer us this time.
0: Oh, no, we are we are happy to. This is why we do this. Absolutely. So um, please keep in touch. We look forward to, to hearing from you. We will do so. All right. Well, take care, both of you. Thank you so very much for your time today. Thank you. Take care. Right, Bye-bye. Okay, Megan, are you gonna bathe me I am now gonna that bathe we've you. heard Megan or Morgan's story? We are. I'm okay. gonna
2: bathe you
1: and I took this right from Facebook because you and I both know, love, and follow that South Lake PD <gasps> down yes. in Texas. This just cracked my shit up. Okay. okay. So I'm gonna read this to you as posted.
0: I haven't seen their po- I got to go make sure I'm still following. I haven't seen their posts in a while I, It's in my something feed.
1: about Facebook algorithms. Yeah. It's the same as when you talk out loud long enough, all of a sudden wish.com mm-hmm. starts suggesting weird kinds of things for I you know. to purchase. I've got to
0: be very careful. Be
1: very careful. There's a
0: lot of dicks on my phone there, because yes, we talk about it the on time. this podcast. I
1: keep getting weird stuff come up. Yep. Me too. Yeah. And okay. it's totally
0: because of the Patreon. Uh, it yes, is. The Patreons, what they've turned us into. It is.
1: Thank <laughs> you. We've become the Penis Podcast. Yeah. But all right. So, South Lake PD posts February kicked off the month for celebrating the love in your life. But we don't want you to forget those exes that did you wrong either. <laughs> Do you have an ex Valentine and know they have outstanding warrants? Oh, shit. Do you have information that they are driving with illegal guns in their car? Give us a call with their location and we'll take care of the rest. (laughs) Now, this Valentine's Day special starts off with a set of limited edition platinum bracelets, (laughs) free transportation with a chauffeur, and a one-night minimum stay in luxurious accommodations with professional glamour shots that will be posted (laughs) online for all to enjoy. This special is capped off with a special Valentine's dinner, we know this special is so incredible that you may be tempted to provide additional referrals. <laughs> we don't blame you. This special is too sweet to pass by. We are joining police departments nationwide in this Valentine's Day special. Our operators are standing by.
0: That is fantastic. I loved
1: it. I loved it. It immediately brought me to ha- the freaking episode of cops. Come on. I who doesn't love an episode of cops, oh, right? Yeah. Where the guy gets pulled over and the girlfriends on the side going, "He got weed. He got weed." <laughs> Right? Like, take the focus right. off of me. He got weed. Right.
0: right, Oh, that is funny.
1: Oh, yeah, I loved it.
0: Oh, that sounds way better than what, you know. Drumming up some business. Matt and I exchanged Valentine gifts early because they came in big boxes that were obnoxious to have in the house.
1: The hell did you exchange? Well,
0: ironically, <laughs> this is really funny. Um, We both open up our Amazon boxes. Like, here you go, honey. Um, he got me a foot massager. Okay. I got him a back massager. <laughs> And it's the same brand, you even. Guys, that's fantastic. And anyway, we look then. at each other, and he goes, it's like we don't want to touch one another. <laughs> like Massage your
1: freaking self. Is,
0: yep, this is where we're at now <laughs> in our, re- in our relationship. Yep, where it's just oh. like, this would be a lot easier if I had a machine rub your back for you or rub your feet for you. This and I got to say, they were fantastic. My foot massager, uh-huh. you put your feet like right in a little device. Oh yes. Again. Oh, the noises that came out of now my mouth. Now we
1: know why men do it.
0: Yes. Yes, we do. I figure you that would come amazing. home
1: and all and you'll see him your husband on the couch and he'll have his feet in your foot massager mm-hmm. with his neck massager on. It's happened already. Okay. Yes. yes. So it's just it's just full don't put your hands on me at all. I'm just going yes. to enjoy this yep. m- fake massage, this, manual oh massage. It, it's
0: <laughs> even better like it's better than what my tiny T-Rex hands could possibly do on his back. So I just, it's amazing. <laughs>
1: I, I went someplace else with that <laughs> and I keep thinking you know they make massagers for those areas yeah. too and if you walk we had, in
0: we haven't replaced each other yet with those massages next
1: valentine's day when you replace mis- massagers <laughs> genitals with massagers that's when you know you've reached a new level in yep, your marriage
0: yeah, Yep, new level <laughs> unlocked right there
1: oh yeah. my god we got off topic but it still was, yeah. the the police thing is what prompted this and valentine's, valentine's day, in day. General. Yeah. yeah I can be even less romantic than that we just think it's a Made up holiday and celebrate more the, say, Valentine's Day massacre. Yes. instead, well, can
3: I
0: tell you, this is the first time we've exchanged Valentine's yeah, gifts. Yeah, we don't do it. We don't. But I happened to see it um, on Amazon. And was like, you know, I, I really want to get this for him. I was like, oh, crap. I'll call it a Valentine's gift. Why not? Absolutely. Well, then he randomly, probably because I bought it. Mm-hmm. That same you know brand, it popped up when he was on Amazon for the foot. And he's like,
3: ooh, yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. And so we just kind of had the same idea. And when the boxes the boxes arrived on the same day, and he was like, well, what did you order? I was like, oh, I actually got you a Valentine's gift. He's like, oh, that's weird. I actually got you one too. And they're both here, (laughs) the same thing essentially, but for two different parts. You guys are really funny on a cosmic level. Our souls are connected. They really are. Yeah. Yeah. Like
1: the other day, my husband goes what is this huge box outside? It's coffin size. I'm like, <laughs> happy Valentine's day. <laughs> he brings it in. We get it all opened up. And he's like, it's, hu- it's luggage. Cause I'm going to be, va- we're going on vacation soon. Yeah. And the huge. I mean, I could, oh, I could big. fit, I could mm-hmm. fit in that. There's, it's yep. a three piece set, but I could fit in the biggest one. He's like, so you got me luggage. I'm like, no, I got me luggage. I'm moving. <laughs> <laughs> Never coming back from uh, warm weather. Yo. I don't want to come um. back here where the air hurts my face. Uh-huh.
0: It is very painful here right now, for sure.
1: It is so. Well, right. we hope that you enjoyed um, the the story. Yes, we hope it it enraged you. <laughs> Absolutely, as it should. Yeah. In the meantime, tell them how they can stay connected to us.
0: Yeah. Well, follow us on social media. That'd be great. Um, you can join Patreon, Crime Curious actually on our website crimecarriespodcast.com you there's all sorts of links
1: to join Patreon We'll link you there. to all of our social media yes, too. Yes,
0: it sure does. So just go to our website. There's merch there too. There's merch. So we respond back. We do. Yep, you can message us from there you can buy Charlena coffee so that she can uh,
1: do Keep her research books. and buy books. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: I am I am definitely nose deep right now into lots of lots of f- several different book cases actually that we're going to be covering very soon. So
1: Looking forward to it. Yes. Thank you all so
0: much for listening.
1: And you guys keep it curious. Yes.
0: And keep listening. And until Until next next time.
1: Bye-bye.